to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Ebner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, I am so excited to get into this show today because number one, it has been a minute since we have talked about the positional breakdowns. You and I started this conversation God, maybe just even before the season ended for the Chargers, we went through the tight ends, we went through the running backs, we went through the entire secondary just in terms of what priorities the teams would need to go into and looking at this and you know talking about our predictions as far as who was going to stay, who was going to go, and what this new coaching staff was going to be. And at that point in time, we didn't know who the new coaching staff was. So this is now the first positional breakdown episode that we're doing where... We're now closer to the draft where we could talk about some of these guys. We now know the head coaches and assistant coaches that are in place so we could take their tendencies to try to mold them to this position, what we think they're going to do. And Dan Wolkenstein, this is all about the trenches. Let's follow the Jim Harbaugh mantra, his priority of what he wants to do up front. This is all about the offensive line. And there are a ton of questions in regards to the offensive line, because if you even put out a mock draft for the Chargers and you have them taking an offensive tackle at number five, (laughs) there is criticism all over the place. So we're going to try to break this down as best as we can based on the personnel that is currently with the Chargers, where the priorities on the offensive line should be taking place. And then, of course, how to build out this offensive line through the coaches and assistant coaches as it relates to the rest of the team. But, of course, we before we do that, Dan Wolkenstein, sir, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. This is an important episode for Chargers fans and a really uh, interesting conversation because you hear a lot of people, as we know clearly, talking all about the draft and what the Chargers should be getting, what they should do at five or trading down or up and the needs. And the offensive line as a whole is such a nuanced conversation in my opinion. And so I think this is an important conversation to have. We'll go through the positional groups, tackle guard center, what this team needs, what their current structure looks like possible options in both the draft and free agency. So lots to get into here. Um, I'm pumped, man. You ready? How are you? I'm, I'm great. Breaking down positions like this is always one of my favorite topics because it can go so many different ways. And when we're talking about free agency, which is going to be taking place in a little over a month now, and then you have the draft, which is about two and a half months from now, and you have Jim Harbaugh in place. So you know one way or another, this offensive line is going to get reinforced. And it'll be interesting to try to pick this apart and dissect it into in a certain degree that our predictions will probably end up being wrong regardless. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever it is that we say, but it's going to be fun. I love it. All right, Jake, before we get to that, we got to pay the bills. Let's talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Yeah, the easiest way to get into your favorite sports action is Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite or least favorite players, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. Just pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em entry. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Make sure to use the promo code UNLEASHED and get your first deposit doubled up to $500 by Underdog and tell them Chargers Unleashed sent you. I apologize if I screwed you up. I was drinking some coffee and literally burned the fork out of my mouth. You didn't screw me up, but I was just going to inquire. like, are you all right? Like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, 
I had to water it for that one. That was a doozy. <laughs> okay, so on that note, let's get Great into Great promo this. read for Underdog yes. Fantasy with Dan Wolgenstein choking in the background. Yes, you're welcome. Brought to you by Chargers Unleashed. No exactly. <laughs> All right, so, Jake, the Chargers offensive line is a conversation to be had. And the kind of overarching themes of this discussion are what do we do as fans watching this team with their current massive void at center, at least 99% chance of there being a massive void at center with the Corey Lindsley retirement. What do we do or what do they do about the right tackle situation and possibly a re-signing of, or an extension, excuse me, of the one, the only Rashawn Slater. But I think just as important is like the depth of this entire line. And we'll go through kind of the bleakness of this offensive line as a whole. But that's why the offensive line at five discussion has even started. It's because the depth is terrible. The right tackle played by Trey Pipkins last year left a lot to be desired. And you got a quarterback who is injured and is getting blitzed constantly. And again, we talked about this in the tight end running back position group breakdown. The blocking has blame to go around, but generally speaking, the offensive line can be better. So as you kind of go through this, Jake mentioned, there's the lens of just performance and play from this squad. Add on top of that, the layer of the Jim Harbaugh brand of football. Add on top of that, the layer of Joe Hortiz and what he's done in Baltimore and what it, we've heard from both of them be priorities for this team. Add on top of that, this current draft class that Jake alluded to last episode that is littered with impressive tackle talent. And Jake, I think you believe even the center class is a lot better than people give credit for. Yes. So all of that is kind of where this conversation starts. So in your opinion, Jake, what is the biggest problem, or I should say biggest area that this team needs to solve for, if you had to pick one this offseason, what would it be? Well, as of right now, the ball's not getting snapped. It's just sitting there on the field. So <laughs> it's like, essentially, the offensive line as it stands right now has a very close similarity with Arnold Schwarzenegger's teeth. There's a big gap right in the middle. <laughs> That's that's how you would describe this offensive line right now. So you have to fortify that. And, you know, with Corey Lindsley, obviously, retiring due to health issues, um, most likely when that announcement becomes official, you know, it's unfortunate because he is one of the best that has ever done it in the NFL. And you could see how much that offensive line suffered when he went out uh, early last season. So you have to fortify that. And I don't know whether or not the Chargers are going to do that in free agency. I would predict because of this, the the young nucleus that you already have in your offensive line, I would predict that you would go that same exact route. And again, I give a lot of clout to this center class specifically. I think that there are a number of good centers that you could prioritize in any round that you could go after and fortify this offensive line with and obviously give Justin Herbert a line of consistency for many years to come. That's where I would start. Now, there are questions, obviously, you could talk about Zion Johnson's 
play when he shifted over to left guard. Talk about Jamari Sawyer's play when he moved over from right guard to you know left tackle after he was filling in for Rashawn Slater in 2022. But I think Trey Pipkins would be the next one that people go after. And if you kind of even go back just even years after Rashawn Slater was drafted, it just seems like everybody's taking that that mock approach to just give the Chargers another offensive lineman. And, and you know, even the year that Zion Johnson came out, it was, you didn't see every single mock predicting that. And it's been tackle, tackle, tackle. And for Trey Pipkins, this going into his fifth year now, he's had one good season, really, statistically, out of one out of five so far. And so, as Dan said, there's a lot to be desired into it. Trey Pipkins got a nice contract extension. Unfortunately, the build off of what was 2022 did not end up coming to fruition in 2023 for him. So all this conversation about the Chargers potentially taking a tackle, whether it's Joe Alt, Olu Fushanu, whoever it is that you want to place in that circumstance, Mm -hmm. you understand why people are making those connections. However, as Dan and I are going to get into, financially is... I think the biggest X factor as it relates to Trey Pipkins and the Chargers current salary cap situation, which makes this, I don't want to say necessarily difficult because the Chargers could definitely do that. But why would you want to make a already a headache even worse <laughs> financially? Headache or a migraine. A headache Correct. or a migraine. Yes. So here's, here's where we start. We're going to go through the tackles and that situation the Chargers have there, the performance and what they're looking at for a roster currently. Then we'll go through the interior, guards and centers. Then we'll go through guys that they could possibly resign that are currently on the roster, or at least currently were on the roster. And then we'll go through possible free agents and draft prospect options for this team. So with that, Jake, (laughs) do you know, Chargers fans, that the Chargers currently have a grand total of three tackles on the roster? For 2024. Three. Rashawn Slater, obviously. Trey Pipkins, talked about. And Andrew Trainer. Now, I'm no GM. But that seems like a little light, in my opinion, for a tackle position that is there to help protect your crown jewel, Justin Herbert, and help establish a run game that is currently non-existent. And heaven forbid something happens to Rashawn Slater or even Trey Pipkins, Andrew Trainer is your guy. And we'll talk about Jamari Sawyer possibly being an option, but that's it. That's literally all you have on the roster. And when we talk about the tackles, everyone talks about going, not everyone, but the conversation is about what the Chargers should do with number five overall pick. And they talk about any one of these stud, Joe Alt, Sashanu, whatever, playing right tackle, which, oh, by the way, Jake, these guys don't play right tackle. <laughs> they play left tackle. When's the last time that an NFL team picked a right tackle at five? Uh-huh. And, oh, by the way, you're going to have a right tackle at five that's making, I think it's like $7 million, $6 million per year or something like that, on top of the Rashawn Slater contract that he might be doing a restructure. On top of Trey Pipkins, that if you look at this on the screen, base salary of 6.25, carrying a cap hit in 2024 of 8.75 million, and a dead cap of 9.5 million. 
So you're carrying ten million dollars if you cut him, nine million dollars if you keep him, and you're wanting to add another one. I understand Trey Pipkins isn't as good as people would like. That's a tough argument financially when you have the needs that we've talked about a nauseum at so many positions. Yes, Trey Pipkins could be better, could be worse, but you have a right tackle currently. Serviceable. I would say maybe average right now. You hope for the bump with the offensive line coach. You hope for the bump with Jim Harbaugh, the running game, you name it. I don't know. In my opinion, Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, I'm good going with those two in 2024. With a bump of the coaching staff, with a bump of the roster depth. I think you have to. I think you have to. And that's what I would do. And I understand everybody's, I guess, outlook on this. Is it? And it's funny to bring this up because we always are trying to now predict, obviously, what are the Chargers going to do at five? Is it going to be a tight end? Is it going to be a wide receiver? Are they going to trade back? If Brandon Staley was still the head coach of this team, we know, based on contractually, it probably wouldn't be an offensive lineman here <laughs> at five, mm-hmm. just given the fact that Trey Pipkins is one year into a new three-year deal. But for the fact that it's now Jim Harbaugh, I think this is where a lot of it's coming in because – as he has said, he wants to remake this offensive line to be a powerhouse, to push people around, to dominate in the run game, to protect their quarterback. And we know from what he has done in his stints in college and previously in the NFL, he has put a high priority on offensive linemen and what and how he wants to run his game. So I totally understand this notion of that, considering that Trey Pipkins necessarily doesn't have any those ties with Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh wasn't a guy that, you know, wasn't the head coach that drafted him. And you could look in another direction and how you want to build this offensive line. I get all that. To me, I'm with Dan, though. I think you give Trey Pipkins one more crack at this to see if the play improves. If it doesn't, then you revamp it in 2025. But the center position, Dan, it's just like there's you, you can't look. You can't look at this and tell me that you that that's not your top priority. A, a, a potential left tackle that you would draft at number five to then kick out to the right side because you already have Rashawn Slater at the left tackle spot. In terms of positional value, that doesn't seem like the smartest move to me. So if we're no. talking trading down and you're targeting a center or you're targeting J.C. Latham, who is probably of the tackles more... Like the best, if we were considering on the right side, he's definitely a people mover in this class. That would make more practical sense if you traded down, give yourself more draft capital in that circumstance. But the stick and pick at five and take a tackle, given all these things tied financially and who you already have on the offensive line currently, it doesn't seem like the most practical and financial move to make. I agree. And I'm pulling up PFF here just so folks can kind of see, again, I think perspective is important here. Uh, Rashawn Slater, clearly in a class of his own, pass blocking grade, again, this is PFF grades, not the Holy Bible, but it gives you at least kind of a, a North Star of tendencies. Rashawn Slater, clearly the best pass blocker on this team. Now, Trey Pipkins, 67.3 grade. That's definitely worse than Rashawn Slater, clearly. But that's not bad. That's honestly... A little above average as a pass blocker. Now, run blocking, 
I mean, if I stack rank this by run blocking, Jake, like it's all bad. Like there's so many people in the red and yellow here. You can't fix Rome overnight. But from a pure pass blocking perspective, Trey Pipkins over the year wasn't terrible. I think what people get caught up on is there are spots and there were spots last year where in the worst possible moments, Trey Pipkins got cooked mm-hmm. against stellar defensive linemen. And I mean, that happens now. Should they be chipping with run running backs and tight ends? Yes. But we talked about this. The running back and tight end pass blocking was atrocious last year, both pass and run blocking. Rashawn Slater isn't as bad, I think, as people have said he is right now. It's just everything was bad last year on the offensive line play. So it's kind of an easy thing to say. So when you're looking at a possible number five overall pick that you're spending that you need desperately to fix your center position, wide receiver could use help, tight end could use help, corner could use help, edge could use help, safety could, like, on and on and on. But you're going to focus on someone to be replaced that arguably wasn't that bad in totality. That's the discussion. So I think it's important to kind of have that as you frame what possible options there are at number five overall. Because unfortunately, like you don't have an unlimited number of picks. So you got to choose wisely which one you're going with. Yeah, it's funny. The the Rashawn Slater had his worst season that he has had since being being in the NFL, and his worst season was still better than any other offensive line lineman. Yes, yes, the, the line last year, which is saying something. I'm sure that the rest of the offensive line would have taken his worst statistically if they could have. And to Dan's point. You know, you go down that list a little bit more, and you saw where Jamari Sawyer and Zion Johnson suffered. I truly believe that that was that impact was more from the standpoint of Corey Lindsley when he w- went out of this lineup. I think mm-hmm. because he was he's obviously the general as it relates to that and calling out blitz protections. And you have two guys now in their second year that were had shifted over to new positions. And Corey Lindsley was really just the linchpin of the entirety of the offensive line. So Agreed. it shows you how much a center can actually affect things. We've seen this team in previous stints years ago when Nick Hardwick was no longer the center of this team and how long it took to get some stability there. Remember when everybody thought that Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney were going to be quote-unquote staples of this offensive line moving forward and that didn't end up panning out at all? So these guys, unfortunately, do not grow on trees. You can't just subplant it with anybody. So you have to be... You have to be calculated in what it is that you want to do here. And from a standpoint of, I think, again, continuity, and you always have to relate this to Justin Herbert in that circumstance, I think you have the nucleus of your offensive line already intact. I truly believe that. Now, obviously, could you move off of some people here this year, next year, whatever? Of course, you're always going to try to make it the best five that you put out there. Mm -hmm. But in terms of priority goes... I still believe that you make the center the top priority. You give uh, Trey Pipkins another shot in 2024, and then you make your decision as far as contractually on that at best. And I think that that's going to help the team financially out for that. Yeah, I agree. So moving on to the interior guys. And again, we're talking guys currently on the roster for this Chargers team. Jamari Sawyer, Zion Johnson, Brendan Hymas, Jordan McFadden. 
That's it. That's the list. Those are the only guys currently on contract for this Chargers team. Jamari Sawyer, I think, was a little up and down last year, if I'm being honest. Uh, Zion Johnson, I would say, has been average, but I don't necessarily know if you can say that he's been worth that pick so far. Again, I know it's still early, but that's the crew. And so a lot of people say interior offensive line needs to get... And again, this is including the center position, which you notice there isn't one. Will Clapp is not there. Corey Lindsley is not there. So what do you do? What what do you what do you take of this group and how it performed last year and the priorities that they should be putting on fixing this group, if at all? Yeah, again, I, again, I think it's from a from the standpoint of Sawyer and Zion. You, know, you look at Zion's rookie year when he was at the right guard position. You know, Corey Lindsay was there, and obviously that was Trey Pipkin's best year that he had. Though that combined, I think, helped give Zion a. Fairly solid rookie season. Not the best. He definitely had his hiccups here and there, but it was definitely better than what we saw from him last year when you, again, now switching sides, you don't have Corey Lindsay there. Everything was just falling apart as it relates to the offensive line and protection and run blocking and what have you. So there were a lot of components that led to Zion's poor season of 2023. Same goes for Jamari. And we still couldn't believe it from the standpoint of, that they actually had pulled the trigger to move Jamari Sawyer into the left tackle position two years ago when uh, Rashawn Slater ended up going down. And for that, he actually played admirably and pretty damn well for a guy who was stepping in on a whim like that to replace that type of a loss. And much in the Zion Johnson breath, you don't have Corey Lindsay there. You're moving to a different position. And now Trey Pipkins is also not having a, a good year in 2023. There was a collective reason why this whole thing decided just didn't end up working out. And you mentioned two other guys out there, Dan, Brendan Hymas, who was essentially your backup third center, who the Chargers have, I guess, been waiting for years to see what it is that they're going to do for him. And up until this point, it looks like he's not going to be any more than a depth piece. Jordan McFadden, who was drafted last year, played in more played more fullback than he played an offensive line last year, <laughs> which is totally fine. I didn't mind seeing Jordan McFadden in jumbo packages and having him go out and pancakes and people just to try to get the running game going. But even still, that didn't end up helping matters in that department at all. So I, I think you have to look at this from a standpoint. And again, I you have to now consider coaching into this as well. Mm-hmm. Greg Roman, Mike Devlin, I think collectively what they are going to do as it relates to their priorities and making these guys better in the run and pass game, it's going to be a tall task, but it's a huge priority for them. And it's a strength that has not been a strength of the Chargers essentially for the past two years. So collectively, personnel and coach-wise, this is the mountain that you have to climb. Yeah, again, we're looking at the interior guys. So Zion Johnson had a 58 grade. For pass blocking, 57 run blocking. That's not very good. Jamal Sawyer, neck and neck with him. 61.2 pass blocking, worse as a run blocker. Those are your two starting guards currently. Now, again, you mentioned the the Corey Lindsley decline, I think, sunk all ships, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a tough one. But like we talked about this earlier, but... Pass blocking, run blocking is not just a lineman issue. Like, look at these grades from the tight ends and running backs. 
Trey McKinney had a 39 grade run blocking, not on the team. Gerald Everett, 51, not great. Donald Parham, 45, not great. Nick Vanette, who was brought in to help with run blocking, not Didn't great. Help. Jordan McFadden, guard, 49. Stone Smart, 31. Look at all the running backs, Jake. 58, excuse me, 58 for Josh Kelly. You don't know who's going to be back. Eckler was a 36, probably not going to be back. Isaiah Spiller barely got a lick of playing time, so this doesn't really matter. I mean, this is bad. I was just thinking about this, Dan. You know, you take the Super Bowl just most recently or plenty of plays that they had run during the season or in the playoffs, but when Kansas City would bring in three tight ends just for a you're running getting, play. You're not getting You're not getting home. <laughs> well, I mean, they could do that because they had tight ends that could block. That's what I mean. That's what you I mean. couldn't even put three tight ends out there for the Chargers even if you wanted to because none of them would be able to block. So yeah, and, you your, even, and your best blocking tight end isn't going to be on the roster this year. Right. Who knows what's happening so you couldn't Everett. even have the option to run that type of a package. So to Dan's point, it wasn't just an offensive line problem. It was vastly tight ends and running backs that had their hands in this as well. So here we go again with the type of struggles that this offense is now going to have to overcome leading into the 2024 season. Blocking, I mean, immensely has to improve. It does. And then the other unfortunate part here, Jake, is like, all right, well, who could they possibly re-sign if they wanted to bring folks back? And your options are Will Clapp and Foster Sorrell. I think Will Clapp, for what he did last year, has proven that he was a serviceable backup. He's not yeah. your guy that you could say, I'm going to trust as, as a starting center moving forward. Um, you know, I think there was enough tape of that for, you know, Good for benefit of him from a learning experience. Obviously bad from the fact that Corey Lindsley went down. But unfortunately, I don't think that that film ended up doing him any favors from a, you know, a starting role position. So uh, I'm not sure that the Chargers would bring him back or not because you have Brennan Hymas, even though that Brennan Hymas is still kind of an unproven commodity at this point in time. Who knows how you roll out with this? And who knows how Jim Harbaugh and the rest of his his coaches are going to assess this? But if you did bring him back, I think it would be a nice depth piece. You probably get it on a very low price tag to have that as, you know. Are you talking about Foster Sorrell? I'm sorry. No, this is all for Will Clapp. Will Clapp. Okay, sorry. Yeah, uh, I think if you brought him back, you know, it would be for a low price tag in an emergency situation that you could have someone who's obviously spent a lot of time with his offensive line. I think that that would be be a wise move in that circumstance. But who knows? I, I, I give it honestly at this point sixty forty chance that that he does end up coming back. We'll see. A lot of time yeah, now again, between is, now and free agency. Yeah, and it's a new staff entirely. They have no ties to Will Clapp. None. So, who knows? If he does come back, it'd be a very inexpensive contract. So, it wouldn't... It, it might make sense for continuity for Justin Herbert, at least. Maybe. Foster Sorrell, who knows? He's an exclusive restricted free agent. So, it would be a very cheap contract to bring him back. Maybe they do that just from a financial perspective and, and keep the the growth going, I'm not sure, but like that's not really the door you're wanting to go through to quote-unquote fix the offensive line issues. And so as we go through, looking at this, in my opinion, in our opinion, starting center clearly is the biggest 
need on this team's offensive line. There's no question. Now, you could do that through the draft or through free agency, which we'll get to in a sec, but that needs to be done. The depth we talked about, that needs to get fixed. There's no question about it. It is way too thin as it is, and it's only going to get thinner when Corey Lindsley's role becomes official, retired. And then we don't know about Clapp or Sorrell. So in theory, that could be three additional positions that need to get fixed. So OL depth is a big one. I put a question mark behind starting right tackle. A lot of people say they need a starting right tackle. I just don't know if they do. I don't know if they do. Would you put a right tackle in the roster needs for this team in this draft, Jake? If there was no contract ties to this, then I would say yes. I would say yes. If 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 this past year was, or if there was one more year, say on Trey Pipkin's deal, and this was the previous year that you got out of it, and those were the results, then I would say yes, it makes sense to move on to that for right now. But you tie into all of the other situation that the Chargers have to worry about from a salary cap perspective, which again, there is a number of ways that they can get out of that. I just think in my head, if you're going to spend all that time and all that work to get yourself out of the red, yep. why would you want to make a move that is then going to not necessarily put you back out in the out in the red, but take away from the salary cap that you need to spend elsewhere? That to me just doesn't doesn't make sense contractually. If the Chargers didn't have those financial obligations to worry about, then I would say 100%. You'd probably be able to move on from that, make it easy, and you can invest in a right tackle in this class, and you could do it by trading down. But under the circumstances, your priority at center is the top thing that you have to worry about right now. I would agree. I would agree. So this is probably Jake's favorite part. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> is, okay, so how do we fix it? So a little bit of an eye chart. We'll walk through this. But we put here a list of all the free agents and draft prospects for the offensive line. Sorry, it's an eye chart. I'm, I'm yeah, on the left side, a left side, A, P, D, C, L, W, Q. Okay. <laughs> but this is all the tackles, guards, and centers available for the Chargers to choose from in free agency or the draft. Now, there are guys who are, quote unquote, worse than the worst guys we have here on these lists. I capped it at Dalton Risner, a $3 million cap hit as a free agent possibility. And I capped it at uh, the 121st ranked player in Zach Zinter for guard or tackle. And I capped at the 238th ranked player, Tanner Bortoloni out of Wisconsin as a center spot. But again, remember the framework, Chargers got a lot of work to do to get under the cap in general. So I think you can right off the bat, Jake, we're looking at free agents on this list. You can probably chop off the top 10 of them. We don't know about Jason Kelsey, Tyron Smith, Dwayne Brown, Kevin Zeitler, Connor Williams, Trent Brown, all these guys. They're making, in the, well, they did make $6 million plus, up to 15 I don't think that they can afford that. So you're probably looking at depth pieces for the, in the free agency class. So familiar faces, Dan Feeney would be there. You got, I don't know, Cornelius Lucas, George Fant, Illuminor, who played for the Raiders. There's some options there. I don't think you're getting a starting right tackle there. But there's some guards, 
in there that you can do. Andre James, Andrew Brewer, both a little bit more veteran than a rookie. If you were to get a center in that spot, that's a possibility. Do you see them getting any starting players in free agency for this offensive line? No, I, and you know, I, I hate to say that just from a price tag wise, you, you look at this and there are a few viable ones that you could say, yeah, you could have them come in and start day one. And if the chargers had the spending money that they had two years ago, that would make a lot of sense for them to go out and do. But honestly, again, I look at the youth of this offensive line right now and Mm -hmm. essentially, you know, outside of the up and upcoming contract extension that we all expect Rashawn Slater to get, everything is manageable from a price tag right now. And much like people like to talk about resetting quarterback markets and going after rookie contracts in that regard, I think you do it again in this in this circumstance and you prioritize center on a rookie contract and you keep the nucleus of this team together in that circumstance rather than signing a big price tag for two to three years and kicking that can down the road. You have to prioritize it in this circumstance and obviously at the most in maybe the first or second most important offensive line position, however you want to see it. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't see them going out and spending whatever it is for Connor Williams, for example. His his average annual value of contract last year was seven million almost. Yeah, about seven million. No way. You can't do that. Like as much as the center is important, I just don't think they can afford to put money there versus the draft. It's just that's tough. Remember, third round, second round draft picks versus first round draft picks or free agents, dime a dozen. You can get third round contract, you're getting a million or two million. Yes. Most. So, and, hey, and trust me, if I had my decision on if I would want Corey Lindsley back or of course center in this class, it's Corey Lindsley one hundred percent. But obviously, the the health scare has just become something that is that is too much, and unfortunately, it looks like he is going to walk away from the game. And even at the time when the Chargers gave him his that contract, that made him the highest paid starting center in the game at that point in time. Yeah. So, and I would say he was, I would say it was worth it. Oh, it, it was, was definitely it. worth it. 100 They had money to spend. They were able to do that. Exactly. Her, just Herbert's contract hadn't gone crazy yet. Correct. So, yeah. So then we kind of shift our focus to the right side of the eye chart. <laughs> Guards, tackled centers. Yeah, some oh. good looking stuff over there. <laughs> yeah, I like this. I like this. <laughs> so, again, like you got Joe Alt, Fashanu, Fuaga, JC Latham, Amarius Mims. I mean, you can go down the list, but Jake, to your point, Look how many there are in the top 100. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, like 15 of these in the top 100. And that's not including the centers. From everything that we have heard about, like the early mock drafts, especially if you listen to the NFL Stock Exchange, if you watch it, follow the ESPNs, or even the NFL.com's mock drafts from DJ and Bucky, there is a consensus that this year could be the most offensive line prospects that are taken in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think people are putting in the line to like either eight or nine. It doesn't matter if it's tackle, guard, or center, just collectively along the offensive line. This offensive line class is absolutely stacked with prospects. And think, and think about that. Let's just say it's eight out of 32. 20, 25% of the draft picks are offensive yeah. line. It's wild. And there are what, eight, nine positions in the NFL. Like, like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So 
it's a good it's a good year if you're looking to beef up your offensive line at any of these positions for any team. So this would be the route that I would go to do it. So then I so realistically, is there a path that you believe the Chargers could or should get an offensive lineman in at all, an offensive lineman in the first round? This would all depend on if the Chargers, not only if the Chargers trade back, but how far yes. they trade back. Mm. And this is kind of where it gets tricky. We've done mock drafts on here where we have the Chargers trading with the Atlanta Falcons to eight. I don't. I even think that eight, given the circumstances, may still even be not the best priority for the Chargers to go, given their other needs. Not saying that there couldn't be an offensive line on the board right at that point in time that could help them, but given the other needs that they had. Now, you pick up some more draft capital, that makes a little bit more sense that you could prioritize that in the second and the third round. Obviously, everybody walking right now would love to see Jackson Powers Johnson on this team. And <laughs> yes. no. You'll get no argument from me if that ultimately ended up being what what happens for the Chargers. You'll get Where no would you argument. Do that? Right now, his ADP is looking somewhere in the middle teens. However, I wouldn't be surprised if his draft stock took a little bit of a bump, especially after the NFL combine. Everybody expects him to test really well and piggyback that off of the way that he showed out at the senior bowl. I mean, he was just, he was Andre the Giant out there. He was the immovable object. Nobody could get mm-hmm. past Jackson Powers Johnson. And you couple that with the tape that you put on about him. It just is, it's it's ridiculous how much his draft stock has already taken off to think that it could even get an even bigger bump by the time we get around to April, especially if we're talking about this many offensive linemen being taken in round one and the priority that people are looking to put on it. But that's what I was going to ask you, like, we go through this every year where there's only so many players that can be selected in the first round. And obviously Jackson powers, Johnson's going to get selected in the first round. Like no question about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being like a high teens, low twenties player. And that's no knock on him, but you're, I mean, you're hearing crazy stories. You're hearing like JJ McCarthy is now like QB two, three, like you're hearing, Roma Dunze is now moving up. You know, got Brian Thomas Jr. You got all these corners who are all of a sudden now cracking the top 10. And all this to say, like, there's only so many guys that can go before 18. Like, there's only 17 of them. And it looks like four or five quarterbacks are going to go before that. Probably got three or four receivers. Probably got three or four corners. You probably got at least four tackles. You're already running out of numbers. So, like, theoretically, Let's say the Chargers trade back to like, I don't know who it is, but 18 to 22 range. You're getting a haul of picks for that going from five to 20, let's say 20. So in that lens, if you can then trade back there, you get your starting center. Who's a stud, probably center one in the last few years. And you get two, three, four picks in the top 100 after that. You can go crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. You then could add a tackle, a receiver, a running back, a tight end, all with picks you didn't have before, plus the six additional picks that you'd have. Like, that's where it gets interesting. And that, to me, is like the only scenario where an offensive line 
makes sense in the first round is if you trade back, like back, not to like eight, not to 11, not to 15, but like the last third would probably be where I would go. Yeah. And on the flip side of this, Dan, you know, we'll obviously know after free agency begins if the Chargers do want to take that hit on Trey Pipkin's contract and move on from him, this will change this conversation yeah. again. <laughs> because if you're talking about trading down, JC Latham then becomes a great target. Totally. Obviously, if we're if we're talking about the Fashanus, the alts, everything like that, it makes the best sense from JC Latham's standpoint. You know, he could be looked at as the best right tackle in this draft that you could just say plug and play. The dude's a people mover as far as what you're going to get in the run game from him. That looks good. That makes practical sense. And then, of course, you could come a few rounds later and draft your center. But or Marius Mims could be another option too. People Marius like Mims, there's well. yeah, there's. There is tons of offensive line depth in this in this draft class, and yeah. that's what makes it exciting. And that's possibly what Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the coaching staff may look to go. There are several different routes to do this. If it's me, again, Dan and I are just we're not making predictions. This is just our, our own opinions on the matter. But I still believe they stick with Trey Pipkins for at least one more season. You mm-hmm. prioritize the center position. So let's just say it's not... JPJ, which I know is going to crush a lot of people's hearts and not being able to get him in the first round, regardless of where the Chargers are drafting. And Zach Frazier, if he did not get injured. No, dude. If he did not get injured, broken fibula earlier this year, he was able to do non-contract contact drills, drills at the Senior Bowl. To me, these two would be fighting neck and neck for who is going to be the first center taken off the board. The way that Zach, Zach Frazier moves, he's just he's so flexible. He diagnoses plays so well. This past year, he only gave up three quarterback hits, zero sacks. That's there is crazy, a play that you dude. go back and you just you watch how he, quick he gets to the second level. You go back and you watch a 2022 clip from Baylor where he gets off his defensive lineman so quick. And before you can even blink, he's already 10 yards in. And then he comes up to the linebacker and just pushes him out of the way for just getting to that second level. He's he's mentally tough. He can pick up that pressure very easily. Um, I just like what I see from him a lot. And all expectations are, obviously, that he's going to be ready come combine time. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to be, be able to put out there. You go even further. If the Chargers are going to kick the can down the field that much more, Dan, I like Cedric Fran Pran out of Georgia. A dude's a powerhouse. He's just looking to hit people. Yeah. Good Lord, you go to the Orange Bowl. SEC kid. Florida State. The ball is snapped, and in the blink of an eye, he's to the second level. He's coming down to the left to make the, the block for the runner. And just, I, first of all, I still have not figured out who that defensive back is. But <laughs> I, I don't even think that he wants to remember it because he just gets absolutely pancaked by Cedric Frampran in that clip. Yep. And so you talk about someone with power, with agility, someone that you would want from the center that can move bodies and get to the second level quickly. Cedric Frampran is that guy. There's so many ways to slice this. And I think that's what is so fascinating and is so fun about the NFL draft. And it's so hard to predict is there are so many outcomes that people never see coming. But I think because that they now have Joe Hortiz and Jim Harbaugh, it feels like there are so many more variables for like a trade scenario, trade up, trade down. And variables of like, we don't know. We know what the past looked like. 
with these guys or with Jim Harbaugh's offense, for example. But like, we don't know what the new form of this offense is going to be. And so, like, a lot of this is guesswork. We have no clue. And even the best beat writers covering this team do not know right now what the Chargers want this new offense to look like. We know what they're going to prioritize in terms of, like, they want to protect the quarterback, establish the run. They want to be able to have, like, play action passes, things like that. But there are so many ways to do that. And because they prioritize it, that doesn't necessarily mean that, okay, well, if we need to stop, if we need to protect the quarterback, that means that's your number one pick, first round pick. Your next priority, that means it's your second round pick. No. Like, it just means it has to get solved somewhere. I am curious, though. Like, I, I'm fascinated to see how they handle the tackle position specifically. Because it, it kind of feels like a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing, where if they keep Trey Pipkins, Chargers fans pissed. Even if it doesn't necessarily, even if they shouldn't be that pissed. If they draft a tackle high, then they're eating $10 million. Like, either they're eating it or Trey Pipkins is getting paid $9 million to be your backup. So, so, you, so you eat Trey Pipkins' contract, and then you double down on that <laughs> by, by drafting a tackle for another yes. $10 million, essentially, on top of that. Like, that, that's tough. That's tough. So I understand why people want an improved right tackle. I get it. But you can improve the right tackle position without changing the right tackle. Add in a tight end that can block, a running back who can block, change the scheme, go the other direction, have a coaching staff that can help. All of these things can help a right tackle position. All of these things is what I am hoping this Chargers team does. So a lot of stuff here. I know we went kind of in the weeds here a bit, but I kind of wanted to really unpack this so Chargers fans can kind of understand the full picture of his offensive line because we know how important the trenches are for this Chargers team and for Jim Harbaugh, for Joe Hortiz. We know the line coaches that they brought in for this and their history. It's a fascinating position group in totality. Is there any last minute kind of words of caution, Jake, that maybe we should give Chargers fans before we get out of here? Words of caution? Um, I guess, you know, from what we see, have seen, at least as it relates to the coaching staff, Jim Harbaugh gets what he wants. So depending on what he wants for this offensive line, he may get it yet again. And whether or not we agree with it or anybody else agrees with it, that's how he wants to build up his team for right now. And if those circumstances end up coming to fruition, Dan and I are probably going to have to do a whole rehash of this entire pod that we just did <laughs> talking about the offensive line, because now all the priorities are going to be shifted come April. And we're going to have to go, as Dan said, further into the weeds on this as it relates to breaking everything down. So Jake, let's put our, let's put our Notre Dame hat on here for a sec. What's your prediction? What do you think they end up doing? And this is going to be a specific player. But like overall strategy, how do you think they solve this? <laughs> I just realized. I haven't heard you say the phrase, let's make a prediction. Because there wasn't any reason to make a prediction the last four games of the Chargers season because it was essentially done after the Raiders game. <laughs> Man, game prediction is like a foreign language for us at this point. Yeah, it's like, And wow. also, if I ask a prediction... I haven't heard that loss, phrase loss, in loss, a loss. long time. And yes, you're probably right. That's exactly probably how it would have played out. So it's interesting hearing that phrase again. If it was me, Dan... No, and no, I think no, this, no, 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 no. 
What do you predict they will do? Here's here's kind of how I'm looking at it. I think for the fact that Joe Hortiz and the rest of the front office kept Ed McGuire is critical. If there's anybody that's with this team still that has familiarity with the contract situation, I feel like Ed McGuire is, I don't want to necessarily call it an advocate, but one to say, if he's got all the the contracts in the red on a whiteboard to say, okay, this is what we need to prioritize. This is what we need to get rid of. These are the hard decisions we need to make. Honestly, Trey Pipkins, if that decision even ends up coming to fruition, is way down here. So his contract scenarios relates to this offensive line is not even close to the top as it stands right now. And so if there is anybody familiar with the contract situation and whether this you know ends up coming to a renegotiation or they still keep him at the same price tag, I still think from a practical and financial standpoint that that's the best way to go. You give Trey Pipkins one more year to see if he can get back to his 2022 game or even better than that. And you reinforce this offensive line where it desperately needs to be reinforced today, yesterday, seven weeks ago. And you go out and you go get your starting center of the future. Now, where do you prioritize that come April? To me, I think that that starts in the second round. I I don't think that the Chargers... Correct. And I was going to say that. I think if there is still a quarterback that is on the board by the time that the Chargers pick. Your trade-down options really fluctuate. You could trade down five spots. You could trade down three spots. You could trade down whoever. There, it, it becomes a lot more interesting if a quarterback is still on the board and you have trade options. Obviously, as Joe Ortiz said, it takes two people to make a deal. If the Chargers trade down, there's no quarterback on the board for whatever reason. I don't still don't think that they go down that far that makes a center position practical given the other priorities that you have on this team and as we've all seen you can find your starting center in the second round and the third round and sometimes even the fourth round so if you're able to trade back and you gain more draft capital i'd say you prioritize that center on day two if you're able to pick up an extra second round pick with whatever draft capital you get hell even a third rounder i would say before day two is over the Chargers are going to have their next starting center. I think you're right. I just thought of something, and this would be so fun to see play out. But let's say the Chargers do trade back from five. They trade back to like eight-ish. They get a haul, whatever it is. They add another second-round pick, third-round pick, whatever it is. You know, they, they're good, right? Sitting pretty. Do they trade down again? <laughs> yes, that's what I was saying. So imagine, imagine yeah. at eight, a quarterback is still there. Like, there's a guy wanting to come up to get J.J. McCarthy, for example. Like, hello, Pittsburgh. Trade back twice and get the haul twice for two quarterback needy teams. Like, man, Joe Hortiz would have that a would be on my wall. <laughs> there would be so much mixture of excitement and panic ah. in that moment. Because ah. you, you then have two moments, essentially, where... You know who's on the board. Yeah, like, okay, like okay, who are we picking? <laughs> Whether that's Bowers or Neighbors at five, or if you trade back to eight, and somehow or another, Neighbors or Bowers is still on the board. And you're thinking, like, oh, my God, we got to get him now, and then you trade again. You just be like, okay, yeah, draft picks. It's like, but who the hell are we going to take? 
dude, but imagine the haul. If you did, like, if you, like, I haven't done it yet, but in practice, you could probably add five. To trade down twice. Top 100 picks. Good Lord. Literally. Joe, Joe Hortiz is coming in with a hammer if that's the case. Dude, that'd be sick. That'd be sick. So we know there's a lot of things in flux here. We don't know. But what we do know is the offensive line has to get fixed. There are many ways for them to do it. We're relying on the coaching staff to get this thing right. We're relying on Joe Hortiz and the personnel folks looking at all the draft prospects to get it right. But I like what you're saying, Jake. Fast forward to after the draft. I think we should revisit all of these positional breakdowns and see how well we did and see how much we missed the mark. <laughs> I predict that we'll be wrong on a lot of things. <laughs> but I, I, I also think, I mean, who am I? But I also think we're going to be right in a lot of things. So uh, maybe I'll be the wrong one. You'll be the right one. And we'll. That would be a weird. Fun. That'd be a weird turn of events. Hey, if one of us is right, I'm happy. I don't care. I'm good with it. Uh, Jake, anything else? Before we head out of here. This is why I love doing these episodes. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's, it was a while since we have done one. This is the first one time that we have done a positional breakdown where we actually know who the coaches are. The other three were before we even knew what the hell was going to happen as it relates to the coaching staff. So the priorities on certain things have obviously shifted. It makes a lot more sense now. So as we continue to do these, obviously, they're all going to be done with the coaches and tendencies in mind that we expect this Chargers team to have moving forward with the front office and the coaching staff collectively. So this is going to be a lot more fun. Jake Hefner. You can find him at Jake D. Hefner, myself at DNW Sports. Again, if you have not done so already, please hit that like and subscribe button. You can follow us anywhere you listen to your podcast as well as on YouTube. Thank you guys and gals so much for tuning in. Uh, Enjoy your rest of the afternoon, evening, or morning, and we'll talk to you next on Chargers Unleashed.